I don't usually post this briefing on the weekends, but I'm doing an experiment this weekend. I'm going to include the entire podcast episode that we just aired, which is episode 63 with Michaela Arnesa about sonic branding. And we will see how many minutes of this podcast play on Alexa. Experiment begins. And I get into this, in the world of this brand. Maybe I go also in a store and I, I take the brand in my hand and I'm like immersed in, in this kind of experience. And you see that the matching is very, very important. What we do, we create a new dimension of a brand identity at the end of the day. For Monday, February 17th, 2020, this is episode 63, Michaela Arnesa, Why Brands Need Sound, Voice Marketing and Beyond. Based in Munich, Germany, Michaela's firm AMP is responsible for the sound of many leading global brands from BMW and BBVA to Hilton, MasterCard, Porsche, and more. We discuss the importance of sound to connect emotionally with customers. And of course, businesses have to question ROI when investing in any marketing strategy. Michaela shared a client case study that proved ROI for sound branding and why the financial services industry has taken special interest in sonic branding and voice marketing. In the latter half of the show, we dug into the state of voice assistance and brands. For example, what should a brand sound like on Alexa? Because this is a transitional moment in voice technology, right now there's a real opportunity to be an early adopter, especially for a vertical like FMCG, which is fast-moving consumer goods, as we expect an $80 billion voice commerce market by 2023. Bottom line, this is about using sound to connect with customers and strengthen your consistent brand voice. Welcome to the Beatle Moment Marketing Podcast, an exploration of marketing and business with a focus on emerging technology and voice. I'm your host, Emily Binder, and I make this for you. It's time to crawl in. Hello, this is Emily Binder. I am here with my very special guest, Michaela Arnesa. He is the global CEO and creative director of AMP, a sonic branding firm. Michaela is designed in Italy and assembled in Germany. He's a self-driven, strategic, and creative thinker with a strong entrepreneurial approach. In the field of audio branding, he's considered one of the world's foremost experts with clients including MasterCard, Mercedes, Porsche, BBVA, Geberit, BMW, Unicredit, Mini, and Triumph, plus a range of international awards for his work with AMP, among others, four Red Dot Awards in a row and an ADC in silver. So very accomplished. So excited to have you on the show, Michaela. Welcome. Thank you, Emily. Happy to be here. Well, you and I connected because I was presenting about Sonic Branding at a voice conference and I wanted to learn more about the strategy behind MasterCard Sonic Branding. And you were so great just sharing information, giving me your thoughts on the strategy. So thank you for that. And I'm really glad that that we met that way. You are welcome. I was so disappointed I could not send you a voice snippet for your voice <laughs> conference because I was busy. But now we got it now here. Right, right. Exactly. It's even better this way. So tell me about your background and what you do at AMP. And also, please define sonic branding for our listeners. Oh, yes, I will. So um, <clears throat> my background, I founded AMP um, more than 10 years ago. And uh, I um, came from an experience as a, a management consultant and brand consultant. But I also studied music. 
And uh, there was one point in my career when I had to decide to, you know, to give up my music uh, because um, the responsibilities, the clients uh, were getting like bigger and bigger. And then uh, I decided to keep the music and just to merge uh, these two aspects of my, you know, my interests, my passions, my personality. So um, I decided to found Amp 10 years ago. And at that time, I had to explain a lot what's sonic branding. You know, um, it was not easy at the beginning to explain that there was a need for brands to think about sound in a strategic way. And this was maybe my initial approach as, as a, a you know management consultant and brand consultant, just to try to put this in a in a language that could be understood by a CEO of a of a global brand. So this was my my challenge and my goal at the beginning, and that's why I gave up my job. I founded AMP, and now I'm here ten years later. I love that. So so when you do approach clients and you have to explain the importance of sonic branding. What do you say? Do you have an elevator pitch for it? Yes, uh, my elevator pitch uh, is the project that that uh, uh, of course um, I love mostly, and this is not from us, but uh, it's James Bond. <laughs> we can we can think about uh, James Bond being a sonic identity, and uh, when I explain uh, to my to my peers that if they listen to Shirley Bassey, you know, and then they listen to Adele. And in both cases, they close their eyes and they can recognize James Bond. Um, and there are like pretty uh, different styles, pretty different interests um, and uh, 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 interprets. And also, uh, you know, there are two different compositions we are talking about, like uh, uh, Skyfall and, and uh, Goldfinger, for example. And they still recognize the brand. They ask themselves how it is possible to have this kind of, you know, um, flexibility and at the same time to recognize the brand. I say it would be great to recognize your brand with closed eyes as well, like you do it with James Bond. So this is my elevator pitch that uh, works 99% of the times. Oh, well, I, I can see that with 99%. I mean, everybody loves the James Bond analogy. With Sonic DNA, I think this is so key, and you explained this really well, um, having a core track or melody that translates to all the different touch points that a brand has. So so what would be an example of a brand using Sonic DNA and having that apply for different advertisements or maybe video or transaction sounds? Um, yes, uh, basically the idea behind um, the the Sonic DNA is a new one. You know that Sonic logo has been have been around for uh, for a long time. I mean the the very old examples from Intel and uh, and the T-Mobile, uh, etc. They are like more than 20, 25 years ago. So the, the the idea behind the the Sonic DNA is a new one, and this is exactly what the James Bond example does. It's not about only one melody. Um, it's about um, a set of ingredients that you can take and combine in a very different way to create different sonic assets for the different touch points. Of course, 20 years ago was like TV advertising, um, the, the major medium. And of course, the sonic logo was just a stamp at the end of a, a, a TV commercial, and that's it. But uh, the problem was uh, in the last year that with the digitalization of the brands and the multiple touch points happening and also the product 
uh, of a brand is also transporting sound a lot of times and uh, and the voice. So you need to uh, to think about the sonic branding being a little bit, a little bit more flexible and complex than just being a jingle or a melody. And uh, I, for example, the, the work that we did for Mastercard, like uh, uh, since one year, are we working for them? Is like taking uh, the uh, the melody approach to the sonic DNA um, stage, uh, developing uh, uh, sounds and music for uh, very very different touch points concerning also. Um, uh, like what, what? Of course, all the digital channels and the digital audiovisual content, but also global campaigns, uh, like the one they did last year, where we sonic watermarked, you know, uh, the sonic DNA or uh, the the brand experience in the Mastercard, the priceless restaurant in New York, where we uh, sonic watermarked the, the sonic DNA in the different soundscapes inspired by the locations in the restaurant. And so you you have the possibility with the sonic DNA to be flexible and to gain the brand recognition that at the end pays your investment, you know, and uh, pays in, in the brand equity. Oh, yes, absolutely. The investment there uh, with visuals, you know, this in advertising, we spend so much money on the the toolkit, the look and feel, the brand guidelines for everything about logo and font and color palette. And especially considering how much time we spend online with websites, this is important. But I've seen companies spend millions of dollars on a rebrand. And okay, we need a new logo. We tested it. People like it. You could look at Gap or Tropicana. So many examples. <laughs> Why is it so important? Why do we look at these visuals and spend so much money there? Never question it. But when it comes to sonic branding, is there difficulty to convince people of its importance? Uh, well, I think it's uh, uh, it's a very very old uh, you know connection to the humans, the music. Uh, but it's a very new discipline in terms of brand strategy uh, because. Um, brands are realizing that they have to break through the clutter and also with uh, with uh, voice technologies and uh, assistants, they see the need to be recognized also in a non-visual environment. So this recognition was not there. And uh, that's why I think now uh, we are getting more, um, you know, com- uh, confident in uh, uh, in having also data and and you know uh, um, data about the return on investment for the work on sound, we had one client for example was the Unicredit Group that they decided to um, to do an ROI study in twelve countries twelve months after the launch of the Sonic Identity and it was very interesting because not only because it was a bank they needed to know you know uh, the investment. Um, outcome but was also interesting to put all this data in a in a, a real good ROI study that we had because you could see that there was savings uh in terms of uh, uh music uh, production budget and licenses there was savings in terms of um workflows uh in terms of uh, you know audiovisual productions because you uh, could start with you know, some owned material. You are not to reinvent the wheel every time you do a new audiovisual production. So we see, we saw this kind of uh, um, return on investment on different um, layers. And uh, this has been done like already four years ago. So if you can imagine that, you know, the topic um, uh, got more and more important after that. 
Oh, that's great. I love that you you found the ROI. And it sounds like a big part of the ROI was saving money, maybe not necessarily making money. Yes. But every time you create a new campaign, there's everything is new. But if you have the music already done, then yes, that that would be a big time savings. <laughs> and of course, helpful to reinforce the identity of that brand. And you mentioned the brain or that it's very old for humans. And this is something I think is a very convincing point, which is that we process sound and music in the limbic system, which is where we store emotion. And yes. when you're in marketing branding, that's exactly where you want to be in the brain. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, well, um, and uh, this is like, uh, um, you know, uh, there are a lot of studies that, uh, uh, of course, um, explain all these kind of uh, statistics. But it, if you go back to yourself, you know, to your experience, at the end, it's it's what 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 counts is the association that you get with a brand and with some uh, some um, uh, ecos sonic ecosystem at the end of the day. What I do uh, often when we are working on a, on a big project, uh, uh, I walk through the city on the weekend and I listen. And in my uh, in ears, uh, I listen to uh, the songs that we uh, um, selected for, um, for example, a sonic mood board. And I get into this in the world of this brand. Maybe I go also in a store and I, I take the brand in my hand and I'm like immersed in, in this kind of experience. And you see that the matching is very, very important. What we do, we create a new dimension of a brand identity at the end of the day. Oh, OK. I love that. That's total immersion. Is there is there an example that you could give for the kind of work where you go immerse yourself? Is it retail store or bank or? Uh, yeah, both, both of that. Okay. Uh, mostly retail store because, of course, you see the communication um, on on uh, digital uh, channels. You see, you know, um, you have in your mind this kind of communication. Then you get the product in your hand and you try to to get this connection and uh, uh, mostly works with in this way. Mm -hmm. Well, I've noticed that a lot of your clients are in banking or financial services. Is that is that because you're just particularly good at, at those industries or <laughs> no, why is uh, that? No, this is uh, this is funny. It's not true. By the way, we are working uh, also with uh, um, other clients in the automobile industry, for example, and uh, and also in the fast con moving consumer goods as well. Uh, but I cannot really reveal still anything about this. But um, uh, for for the financial sector was like a breakthrough moment uh, years ago with uh, Unicredit and then with BBVA just one year later. Uh, I think that in that sector especially, there was the need of uh, uh, more human connection mm -hmm. between the brand and the clients and the customer. So um, I think that uh, some banking and financial brands were realizing that, uh, you know, this human connection was missing and was, uh, you know, music could help. In, in, in doing that human connection. And that's why I think was like uh, an explosion of, of cases in the in the financial industry. Yes, that makes sense because money is so emotional and people need reassurance. They want to trust that brand and using exactly. sound is it's such a it's such a fast track way to reach people. This is to get trust, exactly. The, and and yeah. the, the other the, the other reason is of course that this kind of business is changing a lot in the last in the last uh, couple of years. You have less uh, bank branches, you have digital only banks, you have an, another relationship with the brand. And at the end of the day it's about trust and security and safety. You know so I think you need to to compensate 
the changed um, uh, landscape of the touchpoint ecosystem and of the brand experience with something that can establish this kind of connection, like the music. Yes, yes. And you, you mentioned the changing landscape and voice technology. So we are going to be doing so many more transactions without a screen or a visual component. And you have to trust that it's working correctly or that the payment was made. So I think that's that's huge with, with voice tech and the acceptance sounds for MasterCard, for example, those um, those are meant. What what is the function of the acceptance sound? Uh, well, the function uh, of this sound is just to um, establish the brand recognition. Also, in situations where you don't see the brand, you know, uh, when you do uh, maybe a payment uh, with. Uh, um, uh, a, a seamless, you know, integration of uh, of payment platforms. So you are not sure who is taking your payment then, and uh, this kind of sound can uh, re-establish this kind of connection. On the other mm -hmm. side, is uh, uh, um, needs to establish trust in the in this very important moment, and uh, and of course because there is a linkage uh, with the sonic DNA of the brand. Also, the brand recognition is very important because if you have trust in this brand and you recognize it, then it's all uh, it's your environment is uh, is uh, cleared, you know. Right, right. So with Sonic DNA, uh, how does that look if a brand is is approaching creating a voice experience like an Alexa skill, a Google Action, something of that sort? If they have, if they've worked with a firm like AMP, which they should, because Sonic branding is so important for every brand. And they have their sonic DNA, their core track, that melody. How would they then take that and apply it to a voice a voice assistant experience like on Alexa? Well, this is a, a really good question, um, Emily. Uh, it's important because uh, our work is not only about one sonic asset like the sonic DNA as a track. Um, behind that, we do uh, a translation of the brand into um, uh, sonic attributes. You know, so I think uh, we define before we create something, we define uh, the sound of a brand with a mood board and with the sonic principles that apply to this special brand. So the combination of all these principles make the description of the acoustic pandan of the brand identity. If you think about voice, voice is just a translation from this uh, uh, sonic attributes into the voice domain based on uh, how the brand sound, you know, sounds, you can just take this translation and create a voice profile which um, uh, uh, is consistent uh, with uh, the sound and the music uh, that, that uh, you hear from the brand. For example, if a brand sounds introverted or extroverted in terms of music and sound, the same aspect of this personality should be heard in the voice as well. So I think there is the possibility to... Uh, um, to have one uh, um, uh, process, you know, when starting translating the brand into the acoustic uh, 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 landscape uh, for voice and sound and music as well. And then at the end of the day for the execution, so if you have Alexa skills and if you have some um, um, uh, tactical, you know, work based on your strategic brand work, uh, sound and voice will 
join together in this experience. So if, if you have a, uh, a digital assistant like a, a, um, a voice bot or like an AI you know, um, um, application, of course, you will use sound and voice together to have the best conversational interface that you want to have. Mm. So when you mentioned the voice matching the sonic mood board, and I've gone through this exercise, I had my own sonic branding done, which was an, such an interesting process. It took a couple of months. We really went deep with it. And the sonic mood board had all of my attributes of who I am and also my my business brand. Um, and I refer back to that sometimes. Uh, but I guess if you kind of back up and say, what's the whole North Star of a brand and understanding those adjectives? Uh, it's kind of the crux of everything that you're trying to do, not just even for the music or the sonic branding portion, but understanding like, what does this brand stand for? What, what does this brand sound like or seem like? Or how would it, is it introverted? Is it trustworthy? Is it powerful? Is it exciting and tech forward or is it conservative? Things like that. Uh, yes, yes, of course, there is one source. Um, but I think that it's very important to understand that the step that defines the way the brand sound or the voice should be it's the same at at the you know and the the initial thoughts they are derived from the brand vision from the brand personality from the visual identity etc but um, there is a set of feelings, tonalities, motions, impacts. You know, this kind of domain should be the same. Uh, if you define the borders, the limits of this domain where you can recognize the brand being in, this should be exactly the same for the voice and for everything you hear from the brand. Absolutely. Well, I agree. I mean, it's all about consistency. So, yeah, well, we've and been consistency talking about plus yeah. time is like uh, trust. So, I think. oh, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, I wanted to to go looking a little bit down the road with voice technology. How do you see the conversation between brands and consumers changing as we have more voice assistants? Um, I think I see the conversation changing, uh, but I think we are still in a in a, a temporary phase. Uh, you see now that it's possible to integrate brand voices uh, in Amazon as well, Alexa. So I think that, uh, you know, uh, when Alexa was launched, let's take this as an example, uh, we, we, we said always brands are dying on Alexa. You know, <laughs> Alexa killed the brand because um, uh, basically there is uh, um, a step in between that takes you know the brand away from the emotional connection to the to the consumers um uh, but now i think there is a journey that brands are doing in getting back to this connection in and creating for example uh voice avatars uh created with real voices but inspired by you know the way the brand uh feels and this will be uh, a part of the journey in the voice technologies as well. So I think that there is a, a transition phase. We are still in this transition phase um, uh, regarding the voice experiences, but we are approaching the phase where brands can be back, you know, in this um, in this domain and reestablish this kind of connection. But only the brands who made the homeworks. So only the brands who are recognizable through these technologies. Yes, yes. The brands that did their homework <laughs> will <laughs> succeed in voice. And, and I think the first step of that would be establishing sonic branding. Do you, do you agree? I, I agree completely. I agree yes. completely. And these are the homeworks. Yes, yes. 
So and is... there are still some sectors where a couple of brands can be the first in, they, in their sector to do these homeworks. You know, there is a lot of work to do. But uh, if a brand has the potential to be the first in that sector to, uh, um, to define, you know, the acoustic domain with voice and sound, I think this is a huge advantage in terms of differentiation at this point. Oh, yes. Well, so which sectors might those be? Because I see finance obviously has worked on, automotive has worked on on, on sound. Where do you see there's there's an opening? Um, I see an opening uh, to uh, the F, um, uh, the fast moving consumer oh. goods. A big FMCG. Opening. Yes. 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 I yes. Think... Oh. Yeah. That's um that's really interesting because you could you could look at voice commerce, which is expected to be an eighty billion dollar exactly. market by twenty twenty three. Most of and those purchases will be FMCG and CPG, small exactly. purchases, you know, low price point, reorder. Exactly. And I think uh, in, in this, in this uh, uh, you know, uh, volume will play a big role also the service aspect of the voice technologies. If I ask my product, what about, you know, uh, some use of the product and, and, and some do's and don'ts, how to, how to use the product. If I can interact with consumers in a, in a, a direct way, I think this is like a trust level that should be uh, reached. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting. Thank you for sharing all of, all those examples and insights on this. I wanted to shift over to this part of the show where it's a little more fun stuff, just recommendations. I know that you have a wide range of cultural interests from music, design, media, arts, to food and photography and travel. So many things you're into. So as far as podcasts or books, what are you listening to or reading? What, what kind of podcasts or books might you recommend? Um, I, I don't want to make a recommendation for nerds, uh, <laughs> so I have to, uh, but, uh, there is one, one, um, um, uh, newsletter I uh, I'm reading uh, regularly. This is um, a newsletter about music journalism, uh, the ger- music journalism insider. I can recommend it to all geeks in music and my, uh, you know, people who loves music because, uh, this is from Todd Burns. He is a music journalist, and I think through the approach as a journalist, you understand a lot how to talk about, you know, music. And this is and the, the nice part that interests uh, that that makes me very curious because it's a part of my work. Not, not only doing the music, but also how should I talk about it? And uh, and and uh, you know, this is something that uh, keeps you know one hour every week of my time, mm. and it's always very very interesting. Okay, well, that's a great recommendation. So the Music Journalism Insider email newsletter. Burns. (laughs) Okay, so we will have all of the show notes and links to everything mentioned here at Beatlemoment.com slash podcast. So you can check out that newsletter. And so, Michaela, this has been such a great conversation. I appreciate you coming on. Tell everyone where they can follow and connect with you online. Uh, yes, I am in LinkedIn uh, under my name, and uh, our homepage for AMP uh, uh, it's um, also ampsoundbranding.com. You can find there uh, information about our agency and our work as well. Uh, of course, a relaunch is planned, so we are working <laughs> on a new one, and uh, we are in Twitter. Uh, branding amp is our tweet with amp and my personal twitter as well so feel free and uh, in my instagram we you will find a lot of food so oh it's, yes uh, yeah. i've noticed that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it it uh, you know it's important <laughs> it's yes. important as well 
it's it's all the different senses, right? You have exactly. sound, visual, taste, hearing. Um, hearing and sound are the same. But okay, well, thank you so much, Michaela. I've really thank enjoyed you. talking with you. Thank you, Emily. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you. When it comes to podcasts and voice platforms like Alexa and Google Assistant, are you confident that your marketing strategy is setting you up for success? I've helped dozens of clients in North America and Europe with voice marketing, and I offer private strategy consultations resulting in a customized action plan. Visit emilybender.com call to book your consultation in just a few clicks. That's emilybender.com call. Yeah!